This week on the Rail Spitter Podcast, we are talking about our recent history trips that we've had. Welcome to the Real Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. I'm your host, Mary, and tonight I am joined by my host, Nick. What's up, people listening to us on a nice leisurely yog? I believe the J is silent when yogging. Yogging. So those of you taking a nice jog (laughs) on a beautiful morning listening to us, good morning, first of all. Hopefully you're at a good pace. Um, It's good to burn those calories early, get that metabolism going. Uh, yeah, so yeah, good to hear. Well, I guess good that you're listening to me and Mary. <laughs> and even and one you won't be listening to tonight is Jeremy, but just because he's not here in person does not mean he's not here in spirit. He's most definitely here in spirit with us as he is every single episode. Um, so before we get started talking about our history trips, we've just got a couple uh, news st- news things to talk about. Um, so there was one that I found today in the extensive research I always do. And I say that sarcastically, but honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. My husband asked me as I was setting up for the show, he's like, I said, I'm like, you know, if I wasn't last minute, he was like, it would be weird for you if you were actually, you know, super organized about this. And I said, I'm like, I wouldn't want it any other way with these guys at all. Um, so I found this one, um, And actually, I heard about it earlier today because Lincoln Belongs to the Ages tweeted about it. Um, Lincoln Museum in Springfield to offer tours on marriage of the 16th president. Um, Says Lincoln and Mary Todd were different on so many levels from education to temperament, yet they seemed to complement each other. And I would have to agree with that statement, especially after having Dr. Stacy on the show. Um, It's over a year ago now that she was on here as a guest. Um, So the... The museum is running a tour called Abe and Mary, Quite Contrary, and um, they're free tours, and it covers about 1.5 miles, and it will take about an hour, and you're encouraged to reserve a space online. It doesn't really say what's in the tour, but I would imagine they're taking you around different places in Springfield where, you know, where Lincoln courted Mary and just other significant um buildings that were part of their courtship or when they were, you know, still just friends. Um, So the tours are offered 10 a.m. Tuesdays and Wednesdays until August the 7th. So if you find yourself in the Springfield area, definitely look this up. It sounds like it's something that um, Lincoln nerds would definitely enjoy going on. Did you say it's through the library? Um, Who's running it? What organization? It says Lincoln Museum in Springfield. Okay. Yeah, so they probably have somebody knowledgeable, obviously, leading yep. around. Yep, it says Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. Um, it's yeah. run, run by Jen Bra- Brownell. She's mm-hmm. the tour guide behind it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So definitely, for some of the people who have been there a while, something new. Um, yeah, if I was down in the area, how long is it running for? Is it only a set time? or is It, it-, it says... Um, they're free tours, but you can get a space online. And this article has a link, so I'll make sure I tweet this link out so people can find the 
you know, how to book it. Um, Is there a date range on it? Yeah, 10, 10 to 10 a.m. Tuesdays to Wednesdays until August the 7th. So it's okay. it sounds like it's already started. Going on all summer. Yeah. Yeah, if you're heading down to Springfield, something to add to the list. It's Definitely. at night, you said? Wait, no, 10 a.m.? 10 a.m. You think I was not watching the hockey game? Nick is totally watching the hockey game. And don't be, if he suddenly hollers or something, it's not because I've said something exciting. It's because he's totally watching the hockey game. Not true at all. <laughs> but that's yeah. okay. Being a Chicago guy, I'm not happy right now. St. Louis is up 2 0. So. That's where my boy uh, Sherman's buried. What? Sherman's buried in St. Louis. The same Sherman who took out the Native Americans? The same Sherman who burnt down Atlanta. <laughs> that one was okay. <laughs> Did you but. just bring Contour? No, I'm kidding. No, I, he he has his bad points, to be sure. <laughs> um, Yeah, another thing that we've been talking about. You know, the only thing that I thought Canada cared about was hockey. But that mm-hmm. is not true. Because all they care about nowadays is basketball. And Jurassic Park. And... For those of you who don't know, me and Jeremy are live in Rockford, Illinois, and there's six man, Freddie Van Fleet. This is his hometown. I actually coached against him as he torched us in high school. Um, and we actually, Mary texted me about our mini Jurassic Park that we had going on at the City Market location in Rockford. Um, I was not there. But uh, Jeremy sent us some pictures because he was down there enjoying the game and that view. So it's just awesome. We're very proud um, of Fred here in Rockford. Um, he's a great guy. I think Toronto, I think, starting to realize just how uh, nice of a stand-up guy he is. Yep. He, he gives back a lot to the area, um, so he has not abandoned Rockford. Um, he likes to wear his 815 shirt. That's our area code, so... We're very proud of him. Um, from everything I know, from coaching against him, seeing him, reading about him in the local paper, he just seems to be a stand-up guy. So, um, you know, a blue-collar guy that I think, you know, a city like Rockford and Toronto identify with and like. Um, so it's been really cool to watch him. Um, it's got to be crazy nuts up there by you. Yeah, uh, it. What? everything is Raptors. And it's funny, like we – you know, there's no hockey right now for us Canadians. I'm well. I sh- like. I really don't give a shit because I don't watch hockey, and I also don't watch basketball. I watch football and baseball. Um, but yeah, it's like everything is about Raptors, and I see like these posts from like you know my friends who live in Godrich. They'll post hours before the Raptors game. Where's the Jurassic Park tonight in town? And it's just it's. At first, I was like, what the hell's the Jurassic Park? And then finally, I was like, oh, it's the Raptors game. So there seems to be different bars around town that have become like the Jurassic Park. And there's one like 15 minutes away that was the Jurassic Park one night. So it's been kind of cool to see that. And then um, where I work tomorrow, which is um, for the county, um, they've encouraged us all to wear like black, white, and red to show our support. And I, I mean, I'm not a fan, but I... I do think that's pretty awesome, like, you know, just to throw our support towards no, that I think team. It's like the whole nation's backing them. It's crazy. It is, so. yeah. That, well, that's how we are. Like, I mean, it, I've been teasing my husband, Jerry, about being a bandwagoner because he's been down watching. He's been like, 
he'll be playing Destiny on one screen, and then on the other screen, he's got like the Raptors game on, and I keep coming down telling telling him he's a bandwagoner. But I'm just I'm I'm just kidding around. It it's we really rally behind a team, you know, when they're doing like like this is really cool. And then I think there's so many good guys on that team too, mm-hmm. from yeah Kawhi Leonard. I think's a pretty stand up guy to uh, Kyle Lowry and. Um, so there's just a lot of, it's always good to see a sports team who seems to have just a lot of nice individuals mm-hmm. on it, you know, um, and Toronto's been through some up and downs, especially, well, they can't win a Dan Stanley cup anymore. So no, and um, uh, they're going to have to turn towards NBA, but, uh, mm-mm. the Toronto Raptors themselves has had some heartbreaks in the playoffs. So, yeah, um, it's nice to. I've enjoyed watching the games, that's for sure. Good. Well, we appreciate the support. And like I said, I didn't know the guy was from Rockford until Jerry told me the other night, and that's when I yeah. texted you. So it was it was really cool to see Jeremy's pictures and just see how people kind of, like, just get so into it, especially when, like, I think it must mean more when the player is from your town, too. Like, that. Yeah. that's really awesome. Yeah, it's always cool to see a local boy or a girl yeah. or a lady or a gentleman um do well so it's always nice when good people um have good fortune so and i think that seems to be the case with freddie yeah and this show will be airing this friday the raptors play the night before that so don't know yet what the outcome's gonna be but i won't i won't lie i am rooting for a game seven (laughs) you just want to get down to the wire like yes I, I really like how Golden State plays too. I like a lot of those guys. I think they're just two good teams playing. So, too bad about KD though. Kevin Durant and yeah. man, some of those Toronto fans booing them. Toronto. I yeah. thought you were better than that. They're hostile. Hey, I'm not from Toronto. I'm from Goddard. I'm, I'm three <laughs> hours away. It's a whole different world. Whole different world here by Lake Huron. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that those are our news items for this week. Uh, we digress a little bit from Lincoln, but it's recent news, and I'm sure there's a few real splitters who are basketball fans. So if you have to be, happen to be a basketball fan, like you know, chime in, let us know who you're rooting for um, if it does go to Game Seven. Um, so we're going to move on to our history travels recently because Nick and I have both been um, going to a few different history places. Um, so we're going to start with Nick, who you went to. It's called Rock Island. Yeah, yeah. we were lucky enough to get a, our most recent documentary that we did outside our class. My friend Ingrid got into the Central States Film Festival. So I went out there for the screening. Then I went back. We had an awards dinner, and I watched some other docs. Um, we ended up winning Best Central State Documentary. Oh, awesome. So shout out to the crew that helped. Um, but while I was out there, I was like, hey, I wonder what um, Abraham Lincoln stuff's there. So I did a little research. And then to find out, Rock Island is home to probably one of the more, if not most significant, court case that Lincoln was involved in. Um, and then this dealt with the Railroad Bridge Company. Mm. And then, so I was just doing a bunch of research kind of one night after watching some docs. I came back and was reading stuff. Um, And it was really fascinating. Basically, the court case all surrounds the first bridge that ever crossed the Mississippi. So basically, Rock Island 
Um, if you're not familiar with this area, it's kind of it's known as the Quad Cities. So you got Moline, Rock Island, Davenport. Oh, God, I can't remember the fourth one. And there's another one in Iowa, and they're kind of known as the Quad Cities. And so obviously what was happening is the railroads were starting to build up. They were looking across the Mississippi. So they built a bridge, or they wanted to build a bridge, that connected Rock Island to Davenport. And the more I looked into this, this is kind of really a watershed moment in uh, American history, to be honest. I mean, you kind of end up with several different feuds going on, a Chicago versus St. Louis feud, north versus south the railroads versus the steamboats. Um, and then you dive even deeper in this. You got Robert E. Lee, Jefferson Davis, and Abraham Lincoln are all tied into this as well. Um, so it just became kind of, I became really fascinating with it the more I was just kind of reading about it. So basically, here's what happened, all right? So you got the Chicago-Rock Island Railroad. They're in Illinois. You have the Mississippi and Missouri Railroad in Iowa. They want to connect so they can connect those railroads and they can cross the Mississippi. Okay, why I do this? This will give Iowa direct access to New York, you know, opening up new markets, getting access to new resources. So that's kind of the game plan going on. Why this area? If you look on a map and you can find us online, you kind of have the Mississippi and kind of in between you have this island. Um, And I think it was originally called Rock Island. So Rock Island, the town's actually on the shore. So you basically have this island in the middle. So you could do like two spans of the bridge to the island from, I think, Illinois, and then three spans from the island to Iowa. So it just made sense kind of building there from a logistics standpoint. Up until 1845, this island was actually home to Fort Armstrong. And if you go there, you can still see like, I don't know if it's a replica or the original fort that still stands there. But up until 1845... 1845 hits and it was abandoned so um that's kind of what you have happen robert e lee's tied to this because when he was an engineer um he actually kind of drew the map um of the area that they use so um and studied to decide this that's very that's really interesting there was actually just side note there's a few civil war generals that were engineers um for the war general Mm -hmm. meade being one of them Yes, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. So it kind of came to this. Who has the right to build the bridge? This hasn't been done. So there wasn't really any legislation up to this point. And then 1853, Illinois kind of takes care of this. They create legislation. And the key part of this legislation, I'll come back into play, is whoever builds it, they must maintain and use it and make sure it does not obstruct the free travel of the river that will become important here briefly it's a three-year project they build it in six different sections basically you have three sections um the notes say here illinois but that's wrong you have two sections that go from illinois to the island you have then three sections that go from iowa to the island and then you also have a swing section so the how the bridge worked it was a swing draw. So it like kind of pivoted. It would like spin, ultimately, to allow the steamboat travel to go through. Now this is kind of where all these feuds come into play here. St. Louis didn't want this built. Obviously, St. Louis is on the Mississippi. 
They want to see more of a north-south travel. That would give them more power. Chicago, obviously being a railroad city, wants the east-west travel. So that becomes part of the conflict between St. Louis and Chicago end up taking sides in this. Then you have Jefferson Davis gets involved in this. Around this time is the Kansas-Nebraska Act that's really kind of bringing up the expansion of slavery again that once seemed to be a solved issue. And Jefferson Davis and the people in the South, they wanted a southern transcontinental railroad. So they're scared if this bridge is built that the transcontinental railroad will end up taking a northern route. What this means for western expansion is probably more northerners will settle into these cities And then those of you who remember the Kansas-Nebraska Act said that slavery issues should be decided by popular sovereignty. So they're scared that the Northerners will have a higher population in these new territories, which will mean slavery will not be allowed. So that's how Jefferson Davis gets involved in this. Why does he get involved? What power does he have? Well, he's Secretary of War at this time. Um, Any questions up to this point, Mary? It's all been quite interesting so far. I find it interesting how, like, especially Davis gets involved mm-hmm. in this, and it is over the slavery issue when he's Secretary of War. Yeah, the That's... big issue that I've really, since doing this podcast, is this that a lot of people, the debate on where the transcontinental, basically where the mm-hmm. railroad would go, that will end up becoming a transcontinental railroad. Um, sorry, did I cut you off? No, not at all. Nope. Okay. So Davis, the reason why he thinks he has a role to play in this is because, remember, I said Fort Armstrong um, was on that island in between the Mississippi there. And he says because Fort Armstrong was there that uh, basically the government has jurisdiction over that. Part of the problem here is when he makes this claim, the bridge, the construction's already started on the bridge. Mm. And he'll actually send out a U.S. Marshal there with orders to stop the building. This is in 1854, July. They go out there. It doesn't get the job done. So then Davis actually applies for injunction in the federal court. And this leads to our first court case, the U.S. versus the Railroad Bridge Company of 1855. Davis loses his court case. Basically what happens is... The court decided the War Department had abandoned the fort because they basically left it in 40... What did I say that was? 45? 45, yeah. Yeah. And then, so because of that, they kind of abandoned their rights to it. Um, They believe the bridge was in the public interest of the people. And ultimately, they felt that the bridge would not obstruct steamboat travel. Obviously, the steamboats don't want this at all because the fear is this is going to lead to more bridges, more railroads... And then the railroads will become the main source of transport of cargo. Um, And at the end of the day, I mean, it was going to be the railroads anyways. I mean, steamboats are restricted to basically north-south travel for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, It was only a matter of time. But, you know, if you're thinking from a steampoint industry, you want to do everything you can to delay that. The bridge gets built, opens up April 22nd, 1856. And then the fun starts. Mm -hmm. Literally 15 days later, a steamer by the F.E. Often. Is that how you would say that? Af, I think F, 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 D, F.E. Afton. Afton? Okay. Afton, I think. F.E. Afton. I'm sure you're right. I'm an idiot. Um, I'm an idiot. <laughs> so F.E. 
is basically a steamboat. It goes down, it crashes into it, um, and it hits one of the pillars of the bridge. A fire starts on the boat that eventually jumps to the bridge, the bridge being primarily built out of wood. It starts on fire, and it's ruined. So now you have this thing. Um, a lot of the railroad people feel a conspiracy is involved. Oh, my God. It was aliens. <sighs> um, they say the Effie, this was its first trip ever north of the St. Louis. Typically, it took the route of Louisville to New Orleans. There is no official public record was on board. However, it seemed to be some crew and mainly livestock. And the railroad supporters believe that Effie was loaded up with flammable stuff. So basically, they did this intentionally um, to do it. The Effie and the people claim that because of the piers that were built, it created these currents and ebbies that eventually pushed or moved the steamboat into the bridge. Wow. So that was their argument. So John Hurd ends up suing the bridge company. Um. And then everybody's probably like, where the hell is Lincoln coming involved in all this? Well, here it is. The president of the bridge company, he ends up talking to his general counsel, Norman B. Judd. And Judd basically suggests Lincoln for a lead defense counsel. He knew Lincoln. Um, so why Lincoln? Well, first of all, Lincoln, from 1852 to 1860, he was already working for the Illinois Central Railroad. Um, and he had worked on several cases with them. So he was three times an attorney for the Alton uh, Railroad. He actually won some cases that ended up going to the Supreme Court. Uh, he dealt with two previous cases dealing specifically with bridges. At one time, he was on the side of the river or the steamboat owners. Um, so he has a track record in this field. He's built up a reputation by this time. Um, you remember 1856-ish area here. This is only about four years removed from his presidential run. Um, so he's definitely a name known throughout the states. Um, so Lincoln's basically tied into this. Um, so found that fascinating. Any you good so far, Mary? Yep, I'm good. All right. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to interrupt okay. if I'm just rambling. I seem to remember this being. I don't know if it was in a book I like a historical fiction book I read about him or not. I feel like I've come across him maybe two, a couple times. I can't remember. Either. Yeah, I I just, you know, I remember reading about it and thinking like, wow, that's really like, just the fact that one thought it was a conspiracy and everything else was um, really quite interesting. It's pretty, I think the, like people know of the case mm -hmm. and like Lincoln worked there. Yeah. I don't know how well a lot of people know like the info behind it. No, I think and, it's not something that's really, they don't go in yeah. depth in in bios the quad city has written like out of the four cities in the papers there there's quite a few articles mm -hmm. dealing with it um because there was actual there's an actual statue built which i'll talk about here in a moment mm -hmm. um in davenport dealing with it um so i i think people are aware of it but like i don't think they kind of understood just kind of how fascinating it all is so lincoln gets the case he starts reviewing it He's not ultimately happy about some of the information he's getting about the bridge and some of the stuff. So he actually travels up to Davenport um, to take a look at it. And there's this tale, supposedly, I don't know if there's any concrete historical evidence that this took place. But he basically goes up to Davenport. 
he's looking at the railroad. He's kind of looking at the bridge, trying, you know, um, you know, basically kind of wrap his mind around it, obviously gather some evidence for the trial. And he runs into a kid. Um, he asks the boy if he lives there. He goes, yes, sir. I live in Davenport. My dad helped build the railroad. And then Lincoln's response was, I'm mighty glad I came out here where I can get a little less opinion and more fact. That's I was just re- I was just like reading ahead on your notes and like I was like, oh, I kind of want to start laughing at that because that's hilarious. Yeah. So and this is kind of the big tale for local history down here. And that's kind of what the statue, which I have pictures and I'll make mm-hmm. sure to post. OK, cool. Um, on the rail splitter thing. Um, but that's kind of the big tale that's tied to all that. And then supposedly the story goes like they kind of found like a, a like a log or something. They threw it in a river and him and the kid were calculating, you know, the time that it took for it to travel that down, like the speed of the current. So there's like this whole story around it, which is I don't know how true it is. It's kind of a nice tale, though. Nevertheless. Um, all right. So this goes to trial. So it's Lincoln versus um, a turd versus a railroad bridge company, like I stated earlier. And the trial lasts for 14 days. It starts on uh, September 8th, 1857. And Lincoln is gave a very powerful closing statement. Mm-hmm. And based on the source I was looking at, which I believe is from the archives.org. can't remember the exact source. Um, but he kind of starts the closing statement kind of romanticizing about the Mississippi River. Um, as we know, you know, Mississippi meant a lot to him. So yeah. kind of like painting the picture, hey, I'm not an enemy of the river. I understand the importance. Mm-hmm. But then he really lays out, you know, the railroads, the way of the future. Um, he talks about how it's just more accessible. The river freezes for four months, you know. And then he also draws a conclusion that the crash was ultimately the boat driver's fault, not the actual stuff. The verdict at the end of the day says is a hung jury. A hung jury means status quo stays, which means the bridge is allowed to be there. Hmm. So ultimately, the status quo, a hung jury, is a victory for Lincoln in this case. Inter- uh, I find it. Sorry, not to interrupt you, but just the romanticizes about the Mississippi River that um, makes me, th- you know, you know, you flash forward to the Civil War, and when you know there's the victory of getting Vicksburg. And Lincoln's statement is the father of waters flows on vex to the sea, and he's referring to the Mississippi River. So that that river is gonna it plays quite a prominent role in his life. Oh yeah, and if you just think about it earlier in his life too, yeah, I mean, that's how he ends up ultimately New Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, his travels down to New Orleans and kind of his experience with you know the slave auctions and stuff. So mm-hmm. the Mississippi is an integral part of Lincoln's life for sure. Yes. Uh, this doesn't end the dilemma, though. Um, eventually, the House of Representatives take up the... They conduct the investigation in 1858. Based on that investigation, they rule the bridge was a hazard. So basically, the whole court case is coming down to, does the bridge restrict travel down the Mississippi? That's what the steamboats people are arguing, that it does. The bridge, it caused this crash. Lincoln felt that it was actually... It does not. It was the captain who did. Um House representatives felt like the bridge was a hazard, but they decided to let the courts handle it. 1860, the Iowa courts actually rule against the railroad. So the three spans or the three sections that go from Iowa to the island um, are actually taken out. 
Eventually, this gets all the way to the Supreme Court for a couple different rulings. Um, and each of those two or three rulings end up ruling in favor of the railroads. Eventually, what ends up happening is the bridge is built, but it will be moved down south of the island. And I believe I believe it's in a location where basically if you want to drive to Davenport to Rock Island, you go over that bridge. Um, now, I can't remember the road. I want to say it's 80 or 88. Um so another interesting thing, Rock Island, the actual island is now ro- the arsenal there, Rock Island mm-hmm. Arsenal. Um, that same area, though, during the Civil War will become a Union prison camp, so a lot of Confederates will be there. Mm-hmm. There's actually a cemetery, which I didn't get to, unfortunately. Um, but ultimately, the significance of this, everybody else was kind of waiting to see how the court ruling did on this uh, before other bridges was built, so... This was, in a way, kind of the bridge that opens up the West to Western expansion, in a way. That's really um, awesome. It's the first bridge to be built over the Mississippi. Um, it helps gain momentum for more Western expansion. As we know, Lincoln will become president. He'll pass the Pacific Railway Act. That'll eventually lead to Transcontinental Railroad, which will further increase that. Um, so it kind of opened up the way for Western expansion. Um and kind of another thing, too, while I was at the film festival, you know, Western Expansion, I think a lot of times in America we see this as nothing but a positive. Mm-hmm. But I did watch a couple docs that dealt with Native Americans and historical trauma. And it really made me think about this kind of the legacy, both good and bad, of what this bridge led to. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of made me think about stuff, too. And I think we got a future episode on Lincoln and Native Americans. I, I think so, uh, too. In the mix there, too. It's um, funny you mentioned that westward expansion because I just finished listening to the audiobook um, version of Fierce Patriot by Robert L. O'Connell, which is um biography about William Tecumseh Sherman. And it talks about his work in the railway and the westward expansion and his dealing with the Native Americans. And I actually was thinking the same as you, too. Like, I was like, this is, you know, we see this as such a positive thing, but the repercussions like the negative repercussions that it had with the native americans and then like just sherman and the buffalo how he was the key person behind the extermination of that um and just you know just the treatment of the native americans for that like you bring up a really good point yeah about that for sure yeah and the two docs i saw which are great one's called dodging bullets Mm mm-hmm and I don't know if that's out there yet. I think it's only on the film festival circuit. But uh, then there's one seventh generation, too. That one you might be able to get online if anybody's mm-hmm. curious to look into this stuff. Um, and it's kind of interesting. In that seventh generation, he there's a segment where they go to Mount Rushmore. And they kind of each talk about like each of those presidents and kind of how each of those helped ultimately contribute to the huge decline of the Native population. Mm-hmm. And even Lincoln, you know being an avid supporter of Western Expansion. He's basically the guy behind the largest mass execution in American history, which yep. was ended up being 30, 36, 38 Native Americans in Minnesota. Granted, it could have been up to 300, so he did intervene to cut down on that. But yeah, um, but that's an interesting, I think that's an episode down the road. I agree, yeah. Take a look at. I agree, um, for sure. So, 
yeah, you know, everything kind of has its pros and cons. So, yeah. um, and I think a lot of times Western expansion does not get a fair shake. There's an author. Oh, God. Who did the John, John Adams? Uh, David McCullough. He's got a book about the pioneers, and yeah. I guess he has been getting blasted oh. online by historians yes. because he does not even really. I have not read the book, but the overall gist I've gotten, you could probably attest to this, is he d- virtually doesn't even acknowledge the Native Americans. No, that's the reviews I've read. And, you know, like David McCullough, so of course, like, I want to read it because I like one of my favorite books is his biography about the Wright brothers. It's Mm -hmm. such an amazing book. And he's, I mean, I respect him, but when I started reading the reviews for the pioneers, I was like, Whoa, this is being overlooked. And it is like, you know, I've read biographies about Sherman. I've read a biography about Sheridan. That's where it starts to get, you can tell the biographers struggle with that area of those men because of what they did and that's something i get asked it's like well you say he's a great general but what about his treatment of the native americans i don't agree with it at all it's horrible you know and it's one of those things that like it's a tough question to answer i i do not agree with with i with the stance they had on native americans i mean i know it was the time they were in but looking back at it now it's like how could you do that you know it's well that just shows importance too of having diverse voices Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to popular culture when it comes to literature movies um because mccall is probably thinking i think he's on the east coast yes he is so he's looking at a east coast these people going from the east eventually setting out west you know what that took to do obviously that took some skill courage to do that but when you just look from that lens, then you completely miss this other lens that's out there. That's why it's so important to have diverse viewpoints uh, when you look at stuff. Oh, I, I agree completely, and that's why it's so important to read. You know, that's why I always tell people, like, read as many biographies about Lincoln as you possibly can. Because mm-hmm. you need to get those different viewpoints. And, you know, that's why I've, I've read more than one biography about Sherman you know that just to get those different viewpoints and to get as and and it's like the civil war as well read about it you know and get don't don't pigeonhole yourself into be like okay this biography is my bible for all of this and this is what i'm going to believe like look at the other viewpoints look at the changing research and don't you know like you said nick with western expansion it's seen as something so positive that so positive that we forget all the bad that went with it yeah don't get stuck in that echo chamber yes um of social media which you guys will hear in the next episode that me and uh christian uh from the lincoln library uh talked about mm-hmm. but yeah so uh i was not the only one traveling mary um where did you go what'd you see what'd you do what'd you eat um, <laughs> what'd you listen to driving no what did i listen to driving <laughs> old crow medicine show <laughs> <laughs> um so first of all nick thank you for that that was really fascinating and interesting to um and for you to take the time to do that research for that i think that's one of those little um known areas about lincoln that needs to be a little bit more well known because it 
it helps us learn more about who he was. And it's a connection that he had to the Mississippi River, which clearly is important in his younger days, as well as during the Civil War. So thank you for for doing all that for us. And that was very, very interesting. Um, So I was in Ohio um, starting Memorial Day weekend. Um, I was visiting my uh, I was visiting Lincoln Belongs the Ages, Jeff and his wife, Pinar, who are so generous and they let me stay with them quite a bit. Um, I got to see some other friends too. So anyway, I went to Cincinnati for a couple days. And um, so I went to, we started off at the Terminal Museum, or the Museum at the Terminal, which is an old railway um, station. And it's like all Art Deco, which I love Art Deco. Um, and there is uh, not Civil War Lincoln related at all. There is an amazing Egyptian exhibit there right now. It's on until August. If you find yourself in Cincinnati, go see it. It is one of the best exhibits I've ever seen about ancient Egypt. Um, so I got to see that. But then I went to Grant's birthplace in Point Pleasant, Ohio, which is about 25 miles southeast of Cincinnati. So it takes about 35 minutes to get there. The drive is beautiful. Um, you drive along the along the river. And um, so in one episode, we Nick made a little bit of a slip and said something about me doing a Facebook Live from Grant's Bad. <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> Just for the record, that did not happen. I actually didn't get to do a Facebook Live from Grant Grant's birthplace because it was raining that day. Um, surprise, surprise. That seems to be the way it's going this, this year. Um, so the Grant's birthplace is a little cabin. It's very small. Well worth the visit, though. Its admission is $3.00. Um, you get a little bit of a guided tour through it, which is um, the tour guide we had. It's a great storyteller, down to earth, very friendly, willing to chat and answer various questions. Um, it's open May through September, Wednesday to Saturday, 10 to 5, Sunday, Sundays 1 to 5. Um, they had artifacts from Grant's time in the Civil War there, which actually I was like, I was surprised to see that because I thought, oh, it's just going to be stuff about his childhood and they're going to have to like recreate some stuff. But no, they had the wooden trunk from when he was president, gloves from his inauguration, his three-star lieutenant general insignia, which I was just like, that was really cool to see that. Um, They had his wallet. They had a campaign ribbon from when he was running for president. So just different artifacts in, and it, they're all in this little room, but just to see them all and they're connected to Grant is really, it, it's it's really cool. And that's what I love about visiting these little sites is you think, oh, it's a small site, but you learn so much and you get to see so much of that person. Um, now, as to what was there when Grant lived there, which he only was there for about a year, so they moved from there when he was a year old. Um, they had a couple of artifacts that the like they had a cabinet that the grants would have used and I think the bed was the one that was there when they were there but they have it set up so you get an idea of what it was like when Grant would have been there as a baby with his parents Um, and it's part of what is called the Ohio History Connection so there's a whole bunch of different sites that are part of it and if you're a member of this Ohio History Connection you can actually get into the site for free um, so that was the first place I saw. Did you have any questions at all, Nick, about it? No, you're doing a good job. Okay. Um, so I saw that it takes about maybe an hour 
45 minutes to an hour. There's a few historical plaques outside as well. Um, if it's not raining, walk around the area a little bit. Point Pleasant's um, just a tiny little community and it's just, I wish it hadn't been raining because I probably would have walked around a little bit just to kind of get a feel for the area that General Grant was born in and where he spent the first year of his life. Um, so the next place we visited was Spring Grove Cemetery in Cincinnati, Ohio. And this is the second largest cemetery in the United States. It is beautiful. Um, some of the graves in there are just, they're gigantic. Like these gigantic obelisks. And I'd never been to a cemetery like it before. Um, main reason I wanted to go there was to see the grave of General Hooker. And I've seen the graves of quite of a few Civil War generals. So I've seen McPherson in Clyde, Ohio. I've seen Gibbon and Sheridan in Arlington. And I think I've seen, oh, um, McKinley. Well, I think he was a general. Um, but he was still in the Civil War. So I've seen graves of a few men who fought in the Civil War. Um, and when I found Hooker's grave, like I had it on Google Maps. So I found the GPS coordinates. And it's just like, just a little bit of a tip. If you're looking for graves, doesn't matter what cemetery it's at, look, Google it and put in, make sure you put like General Hooker grave GPS coordinates. And that will give you the coordinates to f- find the grave. Put, the, put, put that in Google Maps and it makes it so much easier to find it. Um, so Hooker's grave is very simple. It's just this kind of like pinky colored, I guess it would be granite. And it just is like Hooker on it, on the front. And I did post some photos when I saw it. So yeah, like says Hooker, which is like, I was like, aha, someone might find that funny. Um, but it's very peaceful, um, very peaceful spot. It reminded me of Sheridan's grave at Arlington, which Sheridan's grave just says Sheridan. That's it. There's no information about birth, death, whatever. Now, Hooker's, if you look closer at it, it does have when he was born, when he died, his wife is there with him as well. Um, But it was actually quite moving for me to be there. And it's because of the episode we did about him on Rail Spitter Podcast that I went into that episode just not really liking Hooker at all. And I came away from it with a changed opinion that, wow, I was judging this guy on one battle and not on, you know, the changes he made to the Army of the Potomac, that that was the Army of the Potomac that Meade will inherit for Gettysburg that leads him to a victory. You know, I wasn't thinking of uh, what Hooker did at Lookout Mountain, which helped win that victory and drive away the Confederates from that area to open the way up for Atlanta to be taken by, you know, eventually by Sherman. And I came away from researching those episodes with the newfound respect for him. So to finally go pay respects to him at his grave was a very moving experience for me. And I spent probably a good 10 or 15 minutes there. I did a Facebook Live from there, and it was you know, as, as I walked away, I silently thanked him that, you know, just, and just that it's like, wow, you do a little bit of research and you gain respect for somebody. So seeing that grave was really amazing. Um, I would say the rail splitters have, uh, given a lot of hooker love (laughs) lately. (laughs) Yes, we have. (laughs) 
And I just think he's one of those generals that it's so quick and easy to throw him under the bus because of his reputation. But he deserves way more credit. No, I agree. We've talked about that, too. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, And then we went and looked at where Sam and Chase was buried, and that's Lincoln's uh, Treasury Secretary. I did a Facebook Live from there as well. Um, His grave was very simple. Um, His daughter, Kate, is buried there, which I got a lot of teasing about from my friend Jeff because... I don't like Kate at all. And he kept referring to us like, we have to go see the lovely Kate Chase. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to see General Hooker. You can go visit Kate. I don't want anything to do with her at all. But nonetheless, it was still interesting seeing where they were buried, seeing where Sam and Chase was. Um, it's the first time I visited the grave of a one of his cabinet members, which was, you know, it's another thing off my bucket list right there uh, to see that. Um Chase was on your bucket list? Not Chase specifically, but just the cabinet members. So That's an odd, odd bucket list. I know, yeah. I would almost no, I wouldn't put Phil more above that, but um Yeah, that's a, you got an odd bucket list. Yeah. Well, if I'm in a cemetery where they're buried, why not? Yeah, but a bucket list are like things I gotta do before I die. You're telling me you had visit Lincoln cabinet member grave. On the bucket list. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Same with Civil War generals. I could I could tell you I do not have that on my bucket list. Hey, it's just one of those. It's like, hey, I'm here. Why not? I'd rather go to Fillmore's grave and spit on it. That's my that that's probably excessive. Ooh. That was probably too much. So you wouldn't go see Seaward's grave? Seaward. <laughs> Seaward. <laughs> I took a picture of him when I was at the museum. I'll have to post that. Um, because they got like a little display where they're like all sitting around the table. Like they were discussing yep. emancipation. Uh, but anyways. The the actor that plays him, David Stratham, uh, Jeremy, Jerry and I are watching Sopranos right now. And it's he's in this season mm-hmm. of the show that we're on. And I don't know what his character's name is in The Sopranos, but I just keep calling him Seward. <laughs> Like oh, is this is where Mrs. This is where Carmela has the affair with Seward. Oh, is that guy? <laughs> yeah. The priest? No. No, the... not the priest. This is like he's AJ's teacher or principal or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's 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 Seward. Yeah. All right, we'll get off on a change of Sopranos. So yeah, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so that was. So if you find yourself in Cincinnati, um, definitely get to Spring Grove Cemetery. Uh, another Civil War general is buried, buried there, General Weitzel. And he had um, he's quite prominent when Lincoln visited Richmond um, after the fall of Richmond. I think he's actually the guy that was, was present there. But we couldn't find his grave, and it was raining way too hard at that point. And, I mean, I will walk around battlefields and graveyards in the rain but to a certain point and the level of rain was to the point where I didn't want to wander around anymore um so and then our final stop on our way back to Canton um was the Ohio History Center in Columbus Ohio which is again part of this um Ohio History Connection it's I think it's kind of the main hub for it so the main thing that I saw there that I really enjoyed was um a display with flags from various civil war Ohio regiments. And the flags were in various 
like, you know, some of them were really degraded in tatters. Others were in amazing shape. And um, the one of the ones that I was really drawn to is you walk in and you just see it and it says Chickamauga on it. And I went right to it and I saw that this was a regiment that they made it all the way to Savannah. So not only did they fight at Chickamauga and they apparently did okay, they made it to Savannah as well. And each flag has a map with it so you can see where they went and um i really i like the ones that you know they started off they would have been with sherman um up in you know in shiloh to vicksburg and then all the way down to for the march to the sea that they were around for that long the different designs on the flags are very cool um and just the you know how they will put on which battles they were in so that was a very very well done exhibit um, they also have a huge fossil of a mammoth there, and they have other fossils. Um, they also have other things at the museum, too. It's laid out just very, like, very open concept. Um, the other thing they have there is um, taxidermied animals, except they're really bad taxidermied animals. <laughs> to the point where I was, like, laughing and sending pictures to JRA, because there's this website that we've been to called Crap Taxidermy. And I mean, I'm not like putting the museum down for having them on display, but some there was a couple in particular that were very much. I was like, wow, it's not not the greatest taxidermy in the world. But um, anyway, it's still a really great museum to visit to learn about the history of Ohio. And I think they rotate their exhibits out quite a bit, um, so there's probably always something different there. Uh, I kind I thought they might have more about the Civil War, but they didn't, other than this other than the flags um at the gift shop they had a few books especially ones about general grant now the one the one general they were lacking in for books was sherman rightfully so yes i know i was just like i was looking at the books and i uttered i'm like well that's typical isn't it can't have sherman overshadow grant in his hometown no. Well, this is this is in Columbus, Ohio. It's not even his town. Close enough. Close enough. It's close to Lancaster, where Sherman was from. General Grant. I know, he, I know. It's General Grant. He I didn't kill the buffalo. I know, he didn't kill the buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> He's not controversial. Um, but anyway, those are the, the history... Tra- the history travels that I went on. Oh, actually, I went to the... I finally visited the McKinley tomb and went inside of it. Um, to see the the grave of President McKinley. It's very cool to see oh. that. Yeah, whatever. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> McKinley's a little over, uh, underrated, appreciated, but yeah, he he is, and he's um. Well, I don't know. He was president at a time when some major shifts were happening, especially as far yes. as expanding outside the borders. Yeah. I don't know, you know, the Filipino-American War, probably not a wise idea, but anyways. Yeah, I think he was the last president that had fought in the Civil War. He was a Civil War veteran. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forget he is a veteran. Yeah. James Garfield, I know. Grant. Who else? Hayes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Rutherford B. Hayes, I think. That'd be a good episode to do, too, just kind of presidents in civil war yeah civil war general president yes that'd be good that would be cool we came up with like two ideas tonight we here. did that's awesome so those are my history travels 
Yeah, I would say the big thing, you know, whether you're traveling, you know, for a couple of days locally, there's always local history. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you'll be shocked how Civil War can tie in to stuff and how Lincoln can too. So, especially in the Midwest here in a great state of Illinois. Yes, and you never know what you're going to find off the beaten path, as I discovered on my way to uh, Chattanooga when we got lost looking for a Chick-fil-A. And I found that Lincoln statue. Um, Yeah, so go somewhere, you're looking for something to do in the evening, look into some local history stuff for sure. That's what I would recommend. Yeah. That's basically how I came across this Rock Island stuff, so... All right, what else we got for the cause? I think that's about it, other than our regular segment. All right. So we're moving on to Of the People, By the People. I got one. Okay, you go. It's from you on the Facebook really? chat. Yes, because of our followers. You posted something. I'm still a disbelief. I'm actually part of the podcast. We yeah. shouldn't be that, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, when I saw these numbers this morning, it made me feel incredibly grateful for the support we have, not just on Twitter, but on Facebook as well. So our Twitter, which is RailsplitterPod, at RailsplitterPod, we have 900 followers. That is awesome. So shout out to all 900. And our Facebook group, which gets a lot of different articles going on there, mm-hmm. um, and some more in-depth conversation. We are up to 320 when you posted this, yeah. but I'm looking at it right now, and we are at, oh, maybe I'm not, I don't know. I what think we're at 323, we? 324 maybe? 323. Ooh. Yes, yeah, so thank you to all our supporters. It's kind of crazy to think that people actually listen to us, um, so we appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoy what we're bringing to the table. If you think somebody would be interested in listening to us, please share it um, with somebody. Just That's probably the biggest thing you could do for us. Just pass it on to somebody who you think would be interested in listening. So, good work, Mary, recognizing them. You do a great job on our social oh, media. Thank you. So, rock on. Thank you. And you also thank your husband for producing our show in there. And shout out to him because he is awesome as well yes thank you jerry we call him jerry on the show to distinguish him from from podcast jeremy i actually call it's funny like here like i refer to our co-host as podcast jeremy you could just refer to him as jer b i could because his last name is boyce that's true yeah or i could just call i could just call him boyce yeah and we got to give a shout out to him because this podcast wouldn't even be a thing if it wasn't for him. So, and we've been going, well, you guys have been going for two years. I will be two years in August. All right. Rock on. My birthday is actually the anniversary. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. August 10th was when my. Just how we planned it. Yeah. It's good planning. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So mine um, of the people by the people comes to us from she's regular poster on twitter as well as facebook kathleen um she shared a post from sesame street of all things uh grover hanging out with abe today and it was a picture of grover one of the muppets and he's got a selfie just kind of looking at the lincoln memorial and it's it was just such a lighthearted post and i love that it really made my day to see that when i checked the real twitter facebook page i think it was a couple days ago 
Yeah, I saw that the other day. It was cool. Definitely a cool picture. And then you have it this week in Lincoln. I got one if we need it. You go, Nick. I will share the pictures of the statue from Davenport of Lincoln talking to the young boy that he met um, there. So let me look uh, up a picture so I can describe it in more detail. Iowa Lincoln as I talk what I am typing in. Uh, That's what we do here in Real Splitter Podcast. Yeah, so basically it's like them. It's kind of like on a you know, it's got the base, but then it's like him staying on one of the rails as the boy's sitting down there like they're sitting on the bridge and he's kind of the boy's looking up to him as Lincoln's looking out in the distance. And they do have a railroad bridge there in the background, so I will post a picture of that, a couple that I took there. Um, so definitely a cool statue, um, one I did not know about till I made a trip out to Rock Island. So I think that fits perfectly with what we got. Um, yeah. So I will share that through the Rail Splitter Insta and Twitter. I just thought of another episode idea. What's that? One we can include our listeners in. What is your favorite Lincoln statue? Yeah, we need to do another one where we get some more listeners. Yeah, I think Lincoln Statue might be a good one. Yeah, that would be good. And just, Agreed. you know, research a little bit about some of the statues and talk about them. I agree. Yep. Three ideas. Three ideas in one episode. We are rolling tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that's it, right? For yeah. any parting yes. thoughts at all? No, like I said, uh, an honor that a lot of uh, a lot of you out there follow us and listen to us and we appreciate it hopefully you enjoy it um you got ideas feedback we always like to see it um especially the good stuff but you know the bad stuff's fun too especially when it's written about mary or jeremy yep well you're everybody's favorite you're perfect everybody's favorite that's right yes thank you to all of our listeners all of our followers on twitter and um our group on facebook uh the facebook group especially is quite active with you know people posting on a daily basis it's always great to check and i don't always have time to comment on everything and i i wish i had more time to to spend on there and you know interact with people because um i've said many times this is kind of like you know recording this is like a therapy session for me and um and just being part of the the whole podcast and the Rail Spitter community has been really, really awesome. So I thank each and every one of you. And um, thank you to Nick for the research that he did on Rock Island. That brought a lot to this episode for sure. So thank you for, it's a little known thing about Lincoln. So I think that's really awesome that we got to hear about that tonight. Well, about time I did some research. So. <laughs> You've been carrying me for the last couple months. Oh, so. no, I haven't. <laughs> You've done awesome. Um, so anyway, I think that's it for this week. So um, keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we will see you all again soon.